Hello and welcome to Real Talk for Mums. Two personal trainers coming together through birth trauma to bring laughs, tears and a lot of real talk around the health and well-being of mums. Unedited, raw and unapologetically ourselves, Mags and myself, Lara, aim to empower mums with the knowledge and support they deserve to live their best lives. Come join us for a new episode every week. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Real Talk for Mums. I'm really excited today and lots of people are because I've been getting messages about um, this specific topic around iron, iron deficiencies, anemia and all of that good stuff. So I'm, I really want to make sure that I'm doing the best for all the listeners to make sure we cover all of the questions that you sent through. And I have the mags, the mags, obviously, here in the background. She's waving, kind of. No. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Courtney, our lovely clinical nutritionist who we've had on before. If you haven't listened to that already, um, we did a talk, an interview with Courtney around weight loss. And that was really beneficial um, as we had lots of people listening into that one welcome Courtney again thanks for joining us thank you for having me <laughs> good uh, we, I was just saying before we were having like 40 degrees here and um Courtney's just not experiencing that right now but we're just sweating ourselves out in Adelaide <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about iron today um so many questions to cover uh let's get into the actual iron deficiency uh is it anemia that you get mm. you get called if you are iron deficient or is that something different so anemia anemia is slightly different to iron deficiency um anemia is where there is a low count of red blood cells um whereas iron deficiency is a low count of iron in the blood Right. The confusing thing is, though, that you can have anemia for different reasons, and iron deficiency is one of those reasons. So, if iron deficiency progresses, then the red blood cell will, like, count will drop, and you can get iron deficiency anemia. However, because there's also other forms of anemia, you can have anemia with or without iron deficiency. Right. Um. So there's also vitamin deficiency anemia, uh, where there is a lack of B12 and folate to produce enough red blood cells. Uh, there's anemia of inflammation where inflammation throughout the body interferes with the production of red blood cells um, and sickle cell anemia where the red blood cells are in a regular shape, which is generally genetic. And, and there's a couple other types of anemia that are less common. Um, so they are instances where you can have anemia without iron deficiency. That's so interesting because you just get generally people just say I'm anemic and you automatically presume it's an iron deficiency because that's all they get talked about, really. Um because I was reading that you can get you can be vitamin A deficient, but um, and that's the cause of your anemia. Like you were saying, you can be deficient in other things. Yeah, so it it can all impact. Um, so anemia, like it can all impact that red blood cell count, mm. um, whether that's iron deficient or not. Yeah. So how do you? Is it only going to the GP to find out the results to know if you are deficient in iron or if it's something else to do with your anemia? Yeah, a blood test is the first port of call yeah. um, and getting a full blood count done, iron studies. Um, you can have a B12 and folate blood test done as well. And that'll give a bit of a picture as to why that red blood cell count is dropping if there's anemia there. So how do you know symptom wise um, if you are anemic 
or iron deficient is there a difference and what are the differences in symptoms um not so much a difference in symptoms um it like it can it's a hard one because some people can be asymptomatic you can yeah. be severe in your symptoms and like I've seen cases of uh, particularly mums who have um I had a terrible case last year where this mum um had a really really low iron count um and she was like, I thought I was just tired because I'm a single mum with two kids. Standard. And I was like, yeah. no, like, <laughs> this is not normal tired. Oh. Um, so it like you can, the severity of symptoms don't always align with what we see in the blood tests. Um, okay. But typically, like, symptoms of iron deficiency include the fatigue and weakness, poor concentration, pale skin, restless legs. Um, and a- breathlessness apparently as well. Yeah. I didn't know that until a couple of days ago. Yeah, breathlessness. We often, um, like one of our cues in clinic um, is if a client is sighing a lot, that they might need their iron checked um, because they're you know, not getting that oxygen in. Mm. Um, and other things like particular cravings, like if someone's craving red meat all the time, mm. that can be a bit of a hint as well that they need some more iron. So if you get a vegetarian craving red meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might need some more iron in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, talk to me about blood tests because I've had a few um, blood tests around iron because I hemorrhaged with my first son and it's just a, it's a good thing to do to get your bloods done if you whether you've hemorrhaged or not if you're postpartum you should get them done and I believe is it six weeks and then get them again at three months um, yes, it's a good correct. sort of bound, like guide um, when you look at the blood results, they talk about the ferritin levels and the, the hemoglobin levels, and this is good storage of iron, and then your your stores aren't good, and it's very confusing. Um, could you clarify that? Yeah, please? absolutely. <laughs> um, so when we when we get a blood test done, they will do a general hematology, so that'll include your red blood cell count, um, your hemoglobin levels, things like that. So mm. that's generally included as well in every blood test. Um, then if we're looking at an iron study, so an iron studies will include four areas generally. Um, so they'll do a serum iron, which is the level of iron in your blood. Mm-hmm. There's the ferritin, which is the stored amount um, in the body. The transferrin, um, so transferrin is the main transporter of iron. So it'll, like transferrin um, goes up and down in relation to how your iron stores are. And then the transferrin saturation, which is the percentage of iron, uh, the percentage of transferrin, sorry, that's saturated with iron in the bloodstream. Okay. So if, say, you've got low ferritin, but the rest is good, is there a way that you can just increase that? Or is it just a general work on your iron? It's a gen- like you would have to look at why that is low. Mm. Um, because the ferritin, um, is mainly stored in the liver. I would be then looking at the liver function tests, um, which is also a blood test and seeing if we've got any inflammation or how things are working in the liver to see if there's an issue with storage there. Okay. Is there a sort of, um, I know you don't like common stuff because everyone's very different in their bodies, but is mm. have you seen a general pattern for mums? Um, have they generally got lower stores in ferritin or is it... Um, it It really does vary person to person yeah um and 
like I'm sure we'll get into it, but when we're looking at nutrient deficiencies, so nutrients are deficient for a number of reasons, typically mm. because we've either got inadequate intake um, or like there's inadequate intake, we're not absorbing enough or we've got an excess loss. So it kind of depends on what's happening there. So particularly like, as you mentioned, like hemorrhaging, you're going to have an excess loss of iron in that situation. Um, if there's frequent periods, not necessarily heavy periods, but a shorter cycle, that can lead to an increased loss of iron as well. Heavier menstrual bleeds will too. So those things factor into it as well. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Um, so with the absorption of iron, so say, sorry, step back. Let's say you've gone to the GP and you've got your results and the GP says everything's fine. Um, for me, I've had the experience where I'm like, I need my blood results. Thank you. So you're allowed to say, can I have my blood results yep. printed? Um, and then you can actually review them yourself or go and work with someone like you to actually figure out if they're okay or if they functionally low, because their, their guideline is just based on sick people. Yeah. General. So the reference ranges are based on an average of the population. Mm. Um, it's really hard to find information on the reference ranges. Um, I haven't been able to find out how often they're updated, for example. Yeah. Um, which I'd be really interested to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, and like sometimes um, for different like different tests, they will give you like a particular range for like a male or female. But like those requirements are different as well. So mm. it's like you can definitely ask for a copy of your bloods. You can review it yourself. You can ask for someone like me to review it. Um, it's really interesting as well to see how far within that reference range you are. So like if the reference range is from 30 to 65, if you're sitting at 31 or two, I'm not happy with that. Like, mm. because if you're not going to do something about it, chances are the next time you have your blood done, you're going to be deficient. Yeah. Also, if you're symptomatic at that point, obviously your body needs some more. So it's worth, like you need to consider the symptoms alongside the blood test and what's happening for that person. Yeah, that makes sense. And you are, as a pregnant woman, you're naturally going to be more depleted in iron. Absolutely. And particularly in that postpartum period as well, because baby needs so much of it in that last trimester. Yeah. Okay. Um, how... I've had a comment here about um, women struggling with absorbing iron. Is mm. there is there such a thing of some people struggle absorbing it and some don't? Uh, there's a few things that impact iron absorption. Um, so iron needs particular nutrients with it to be able to absorb, vitamin C being one of them. Okay. Um, so having a lack of cofactors can impact absorption. Um Iron obviously goes in through the digestive system and needs to cross over into the bloodstream. So having inflammation um, in the digestive system impacts the absorption um, as it increases hepcidin, which is like the gatekeeper of iron between the digestive system and the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. um, so the more like hepcidin increases, iron absorption decreases. Um. There's a few other things that impact um, iron absorption in the digestive system, such as if there's celiac disease present or inflammatory bowel disease, um, because that affects the villi, which means there's less surface area for that absorption to happen. Okay. Um, if we have improper breakdown of foods, it can be harder for us to absorb it. So that can be a situation where there's lower levels of bile or digestive enzymes. 
Um, our bile is made in the gallbladder. So if there's been gallstones or the gallbladder has been removed, we're at a higher risk of lower absorption. And there's also certain foods and nutrients that inhibit iron absorption. Um, and the main of these is tea and coffee. Um, uh -huh. So having standard of life of everyone, every mum, <laughs> coffee. Yeah, Come on. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and I mean, we see it in older people as well. Um, so waiting until after you've eaten to have that tea or coffee um, can be really okay. beneficial as having it with your food inhibits the iron absorption. Ah, so could you have it before you've eaten or after you've eaten or is it yep, best? Before or after is fine, just not at the same time. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, is there, and I know this is a general thing, but is there a way that um, you can reduce your inflammation without having to go down all of this route first? There are um, things that you can remove. Yeah, removing processed foods is a great start. Um, particularly sugar. like yeah, your sugars, your fast foods, those kind of foods, pulling those out first. Um, eating a wide range of fruits and vegetables is really important. Um, but also being aware of our environmental toxins too. So what we're putting on our skin, what we're putting on our face, things like that. Yeah, okay. Is there um when it comes to absorption, it's probably very hard for people to know that they're struggling to absorb iron. Um, is there anything they can do? So say that you, they come in and they've been taking iron supplements and they take iron rich foods uh, and they're still their levels are still like sort of borderline yeah. or low. What can they do then? Yeah, that like that is when we know we've got an absorption issue. OK, um, if you're taking your supplement every day, mm. that increases the hepcidin level because Iron supplements can be quite a high dose um, of iron, and the hepcidin's like, well, we're getting we're getting iron every day. We don't like we don't need to absorb it because we're getting some more tomorrow. Yes. Um. So taking your supplement every second day can be really beneficial for the absorption. Mm -hmm. Um. And then yeah, looking at those factors like when are we having tea and coffee? Um. And it's often not something GPs talk about. So like I've had clients come into clinic who are taking their um, iron supplement in the morning with their morning coffee. Oh. And I'm like, okay, this isn't helpful. No. Um, but no one's told them. So of course, you know, how are they to know? Um, so, so best to take it with like factors. vitamin C, like you said, so mm -hmm. orange juice yeah. or lemon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great um, way to increase the absorption. And every other day. Mm. Yeah, because I read your study um, about that. Um, and obviously it'll be better for your digestion too because some people get constipated with iron. So if you're taking it every other day. Yes, you get a reduction in those symptoms. Um, those side effects can also be because of the form of iron. Some forms of iron are harsh on the digestive system than other forms as well. Okay, so you don't just have to put up with because lots of people put up with it because they know that iron supplements are going to cause you uh, constipation. So I'll just take the supplement and yeah. deal with the constipation. Yeah. No, you don't have to put up with it. Um, there is other forms. There's other dosages that you can look at. Um, like, as we said, like splitting, um, like having that dose every second day is helpful. Um, there was, like I was particularly looking at pregnancy the other day um, yeah. and ferrous sulfate versus iron biglycinate um and with iron biglycinate you typically need a half to a third of the amount of iron than you need with ferrous sulfate so considering it's such a lower dose you typically have less side effects as well and, and you, you take... get the same results from oh right so it doesn't matter which one you take 
No, it doesn't matter which one you take. Um, it like you it just depends on dosage and absorption and things like that and side effects that you're having. Yeah. Okay. One's not necessarily better than the other. It just depends on the situation. Right. And do you think a liquid iron supplement versus a tablet form is better or is there a preference? Doesn't really matter. It just depends on like the main um the main consideration when looking at liquid supplements versus capsule or tablet um is compliance. Um the the yeah. one that's gonna be better in that situation is the one that's actually used. <laughs> what are you gonna um, so, take? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if going liquid means you're gonna take it, go liquid. If a tablet means you're gonna take it, go tablet. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably what mums want to hear, actually. What's the easiest for me? Okay, yes. cool. I'm gonna choose yep. that. <laughs> yeah, and we can we can work with that. That's fine. Um can you overdose on too much iron? Yeah, absolutely. Iron is what we call one of the Goldilocks nutrients. So too, we don't want too much and we don't want too little. We want uh, just the right it. amount in the middle. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so hemochromatosis or too much iron um, mm. can actually have the same symptoms as not enough iron. So that's why it's really important to make sure you have your levels checked before you yeah. start supplementing with iron because if you go too far, you get the same fatigue and things like that as well. Wow. Okay. Mm. Helpful. Yes. Yeah. Very helpful before you go buying out and getting iron yeah. tablets. You're just like, oh, I must be deficient. I'll just take some more because it's, it's symptoms. But I'm glad mm. we've just shared that information. No idea. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like there's a few reasons that hemochromatosis can occur, um, but often people end up having um, like a donating blood so that they can get rid of that excess iron. Yes, and some people are born genetically into that as well, aren't Correct. they? Yeah. And they I met a few people who have to donate blood like every three months and then they mm-hmm. manage to build it up to six months and then yearly um to keep them going. Yeah. Yeah. Um now we're gonna talk about iron infusions. Mm-hmm. Um, because this was a topic that came up for me while I was pregnant and I my midwife said to me, um, you are iron deficient I think near the end it said we could do an iron infusion and I was like I don't really want to mess around with it I don't know enough information about it so I just went for taking um, a liquid iron supplement every other day Um, and I thought it wouldn't harm because I was worried that I would hemorrhage again with this second birth so I was like fine I'll just take an iron Um, what talk to me about iron infusions like pros and cons and Mm. it's a it's a hard one um and it it does depend on the person it depends on how low the levels are things like that because obviously it's a much higher dose of iron in a more concentrated form um so there are situations like where I've looked at it and I've been like you should just go get an iron infusion like there's okay. there's no point us making a row with supplements like you go in for an iron so infusion. what's low to um, you like low oh, sort of I've infusion seen, like, time oh it depends like it really does depend it also depends on the symptoms someone's having like if someone is you know can't get out of bed in the morning it's like let's let's just do it yeah um so it the issues with like iron infusions are great because like if there's an intolerance to oral iron put it in through the bloodstream it avoids that issue if i've got an issue with absorption through the gastrointestinal tract because of like severe celiac disease or inflammatory bowel disease we avoid that issue as well okay However, it can sometimes be filtered out by the kidney, which means that you can have the iron infusion and still have an issue with absorption. Like you can have an iron infusion, your iron levels don't go up 
Um, right. So it can be a hard balance to play there. Um, there is a small amount of research that infusions can increase um, inflammation. So if we've already got an inflammatory picture, that's also something that we need to be aware of um, and manage that situation. Okay. Um, so with iron infusions, it goes into the bloodstream and mm-hmm. I heard that it can take up to a week to actually get your symptoms feeling better. Yeah, it can. It can. Um, it can take a couple of weeks in some situations. Okay. Depending on how low, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to talk about because there's like, it depends on the type of infusion. So there's different types of infusions. Some are done quite quickly. Others are done over a couple of hours. Um, I also don't know what dose is being put through the infusion. Right. So So different dose each time as well. It can be different doses. So that's up to the GP. Um, so it it depends on a few variables there. Okay. Um, and what do you think of pregnant women having iron infusions? Is there pros and cons for that? Or do we know any information about it? I haven't seen any research on pregnant women, oral versus, um, IV infusion. Yeah. Some People love it. It works well. Other people prefer to take an oral supplement that works well. So it really does depend on what you're comfortable with um, and where you're sitting in terms of your levels. Yeah. So to, to me, it, make, it doesn't make sense to me because I want to know why I'm deficient. And mm. if I'm constantly having infusions, then it doesn't resolve the, the, the root cause. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I often say is that supplements and iron infusions are not a treatment for iron deficiency like it's a band-aid approach it'll fix Mm. your symptoms it can be really necessary to bring your levels up but we haven't addressed why they're low yeah and I think it's different when you're pregnant because understandably you are low and it's not really your body until you're out of that sort of pregnant early postpartum stage and then you can really understand if you are still deficient then there's something else we need to look at as to why or if your bloods come back up you're like cool so it's just to do with baby baby. sucking the life out of you (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) okay um i what so we talked about overdosing on iron um do you have any sort of recommendations on iron rich foods yeah based on that sort of evidence yeah absolutely um so our iron rich foods include spinach um liver and other organ meats uh legumes Yay, mags, meat. liver. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes which i know mag loves um <laughs> red meat pumpkin seeds quinoa turkey broccoli tofu and mint is another one that people don't realize mint. is actually really high in iron. Um, so so a steak the... and a mojito for dinner yeah. <laughs> would be great. Yeah, um, add some lemon juice in there and you'll get your absorption too. Um, so yeah, the mint can be a really, um, if someone's struggling to add more iron in, um, adding mint into salads and smoothies and things like that is um, is a nice little tip. Okay, cool. What's the... Do you know the highest iron um, foods, highest rich iron foods? Is it Typically your red meats are the highest. Okay. Um, liver is very high as well. Um, but getting a range of foods is also important. Yeah. I think for listeners, because lots of people um, struggle to eat liver 
and <laughs> meeting I know but we're all not like you Max. <laughs> I wish I loved liver because it's just so good for you and yeah. um, I'd try and have just pate just to try and get like good quality pate um, but for our listeners like you can I am your... a fan of capsules oh uh, yes because like... <laughs> you're not an, a liver fan either so. no I can't but bring myself to it's a good idea then yeah, capsules are a good idea. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I have a pack of capsules. It's hilarious. I have capsules in my fridge. Um, so it's just freeze dried liver that's powdered and put into a capsule. Yeah. Um, but I sometimes sprinkle it on my dog's food as well because it's, oh, nice. it's um, yeah. So, like one for me, one for you. Good flavor. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, capsules are a good option as well to get those nutrients in from liver if you don't want to um go there. Yeah, I was gonna say that you can actually get like your partner to make you dinner, uh, make like a spag bowl or um lasagna and you can get them to grate liver yes. in it so you can hide yeah, that's, it yeah that's but also then I just idea. wouldn't trust my husband because I just I'd be like every time he cooks I'd be like did you put liver in it <laughs> I can uh... smell it <laughs> oh okay liver listeners um <laughs> come to my house everyone I know <laughs> Max loves it just I think because I was grown up at such um, a young age that it's just normal, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, you think because in the UK, it's like um, liver and bacon. It's like a, a staple meal. I tried it. Monty loved it. James loved it. Oh. <laughs> it's just that smell and that aftertaste. I can't do it. <laughs> um, can people be prone to low iron? in general like is mm. there some someone who has a certain blood type or they're just generally prone because they're genetically that way or is it is that just rubbish and everyone can build themselves up and absorb iron they just need to figure out why they're low yeah it's it's a bit figuring out why you're low um there's certain risk factors that like increase your likelihood or make you prone to iron deficiency, I guess. And those are things like your digestive conditions, like IBD and celiac disease that mm. impact that digestion um, an increased loss of iron. So frequent or um, heavy menstrual periods mm. can um, increase that. And obviously being postpartum as well, because you've got the increased risk of loss, um, but also baby having used a lot of it through that last trimester. Okay. So it's not like, it's not a fact of you know, a certain person is prone to it and that's you know, for the rest of their life. Um, those kind of things can be addressed and mitigated. So making sure that we're having iron in the most bioavailable form um, and working with a practitioner to alleviate you know, those risk factors is really important. Okay. Um, when it comes to iron uh, and taking supplements, is obviously you shouldn't be taking supplements forever. Mm. Is, is there so someone's taken supplements for about a year and then you need to be like, uh, what's going on here? Is there like a cutoff? Um, it would like, I would like to see, so if I'm, if someone's on blood, like is on, um, iron supplements with me, I'd like to see blood tests again in three months time, because okay. that's generally enough of a time that we can start seeing what's happening. Um, so after three months, blood tests again, are we coming up? What's happening? And kind of go from there. There's no real, like, you should only take them for a certain amount of time. Okay. Um, but if you're taking them every day, as we said before, you're going to get a reduced absorption. So having them every second day um, 
is important and I would be keeping track of those blood tests to see where we're at and what's happening. Okay. So obviously you get your bloods done three months later um, and iron's good. So then you come off yep. the supplements and then what if it drops again, then you start looking at what's going on. Yeah. We'd test again in you know, three or six months after we've come off the supplements um, and see how we're tracking. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Um, they are, I have a question about children here. Symptoms of iron yes. deficiency and are they different in children? So we spoke briefly about those symptoms mm. when it comes to adults, but is that the same for children? Very similar in children. Um, we often also see a loss of appetite. Um, so that plays into it as well. Um, and children can sometimes crave, like start eating chalk and be like yeah. craving chalky things. Um, I thought that was a child's so, thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that can sometimes be a sign of iron deficiency. Um, but yeah, we see a lot of the same kind of symptoms that fatigue picture, the pale skin, um, are quite common in children with iron deficiency. Okay. And then go down the same route to get their bloods done and um it depends on the age of the child like I'm not a huge fan of um sending children for blood tests if we don't need to Mm -hmm. um so if we can do like look at the symptom picture look at the dietary intake um I can run the diet through a program do an analysis like if I've got a child who doesn't eat any meat um doesn't eat any vegetables chances are they're going to be low like there's no point me doing a blood test if it's going to tell me something that I'm pretty sure I already know um so in that situation we can go in with a supplement I mean if they're not eating any meats or vegetables they're probably going to need more than just iron um but we can go in with a supplement and see what happens um and just monitor really closely and manage it from there right okay I love that that's great. Yeah, blood tests can be quite traumatic for children. Yeah. So if we don't need to, like let's avoid it. They're traumatic for mothers. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um right, we go we're going to go into the questions now from mums because we had quite a few if that's all right with sure. you Courtney. Go for it. Um and Mags, if you have any questions that just come up for you because it's kind of stirred my brain a little bit. Um just um I suppose I have a question Courtney of hmm. When I had um, Sean, my first one, and I had the traumatic birth, I hemorrhaged. And um, I was very clueless um, when I had him. So I um, lost a lot. Of, I don't really know exactly how much blood I lost, but I know I needed two blood transfusions. And then um, in the hospital, I was kept in for five days. And in that five days, they did the two iron transfusions on me. Um, they gave it to me through the, um, the drip. um and why would they've given me two would it have been that I was completely even though I got the blood transfusions why did I necessarily need two transfusions then as well um it could be to do with like where they thought the levels were at particularly coming in with that that postpartum situation as well where baby's been taking it for the last couple of months um so it can be that but also um depending on like your absorption of it the first one like might not have guaranteed the absorption so there's a few factors that would have impacted um that situation and then with Rory I hemorrhaged again um I I don't know was it was it pint seven or something I lost they Mm -hmm. were able to stop it um and then the next they told me that after he was born and then the next day they said we have to do bloods just to check how much you lost and do you need a transfusion 
And then they did the blood and they came back and said, I didn't need the transfusion. But then nothing was spoken to me about my iron level. Um, mm. Is that something I should look into or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, how long ago was that? Uh, so he's actually five months today. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't had your iron levels checked postpartum, um, I'd be recommending having those checked soon just so you know where your levels are at. Yeah, because I'm back to show my period now. It's I've three months in having my period. Mm. And it's actually so heavy that I'm using the maternity pads. It's really, really heavy. And I find like it's a couple of days before my period comes and that whole week that I'm just, I'm like, I, I can bear it. My eyes are hanging out of my head. Yeah. Um, and I feel I'm using a lot of blood, but um, I'm just listening to you guys, they're saying six weeks after I should have had, you know, I wasn't offered it. So I was like, okay, mm. maybe I don't need it. Um, but yeah, I definitely think um, I need to get them checked. And then um, say, uh, if I get them done, then my doctor tells me I'm an, um, you know, I'm okay with my iron. Should mm-hmm. I still um, get you to look over them, or what would you say to someone um, if they say they're okay? Yeah, I'd still, I'd get a copy of them yourself, yeah. um, and because it'll give you the reference range, so you can have a look to see if you're just within. If you're just within, and your doctor says you're fine find someone else to talk to. Um, But if you're still having symptoms and feeling really fatigued, then I'd be also getting someone to look at them as well. Perfect. Yeah, because it's only when I have my period that Mm. I feel that way. Um, And I didn't know, is it because I bled quite a lot after having Sean and then it stopped because I was breastfeeding, Mm. but this is different. And I'm like, maybe it's normal. Maybe you are supposed to bleed that much. I don't really know either. Yeah, I would be I would be looking to having that um, assessed um and working out why that's happening yeah okay thank you Courtney no, that's, that's me okay. um that's okay and I, I just to follow on from that so like I had my own experience um with iron deficiency a couple of years ago where I had my bloods done with the doctor and they came back like one or two within range and I was like I'm not happy with this mm. um and when it's just like it's on that borderline edge, we can go in with food first um, and up our dietary intake. I had a few other things going on with my digestive system, so that didn't work for me. Um, I went back to have them done again in three months' time, and my doctor was like, no, um, like you're within range last time. You don't need them done. And I was like, I'm not happy with this. Like I want to see where they're at. Um, and they tried the, you might have to pay for it. Medicare doesn't like paying for too many blood tests. And I was like, no, I don't care if I have to pay for it. I didn't. Medicare covered it. Um, which is also like, it's if they try and, mongering, yeah. yeah, if they try and tell you you have to pay for it, don't worry about it. I haven't had someone pay for one yet. Um, as particularly if you are on that low side. Um, and then it did come back deficient anyway. Um <laughs> which was a really fun call for my doctor to make to me. Yeah, listen to your gut, <laughs> sounds like. So, yes, yes, um, and push, like, advocate for yourself if yeah. you need to. Um, but, yes, and then I did supplements, worked on my gut health, and it came up um, fine. So you can correct it. Um, but, yes, that is the moral of the story, is to advocate for yourself if you feel like you need to. Yeah, nice. Sometimes you feel like, um, you know, asking them questions, they kind of look at you and say, why are you asking me questions? You know what I mean? I'm the doctor. I'm not going to give you the answers kind yeah. of thing. Because I, I do ask a lot of questions. But yeah, it's when things are like that, like when everything that happened with Sean, I didn't ask any question. I had no idea what was happening mm. or going on. Where now yeah. I'm like, no, I want to know, <laughs> you know, so it's Absolutely. really good. And a new mom, I suppose, as well, to know that you, um, we do um get really nervous and shy because it's our first time that we kind of like don't know what to do but I think um 
we learn as well as we go along but um yeah it's really interesting but then say when they take your blood Courtney and then you've lost blood and they take your blood what did what does that do then they just see how much blood count you've lost like how do they know then from that blood of what you've lost or what you need to get back in or like with that or I totally it's not really my area um but I'd be guessing they're looking at like a red blood cell count um and seeing how that's tracking right cool thank you I think what's important here is that advocating for yourself listeners and um getting checked even if the doctors haven't contacted you get checked six weeks postpartum get checked three months postpartum get checked if you're feeling like you have symptoms um that Courtney's just explained um and then advocate for yourself say I want blood results I want blood tests done um I have every right um on on that note because Mag's just brought up a good subject around hemorrhaging postpartum um now I was told that's borrowed blood and you need to then take iron um to help boost you is that right interesting I um I haven't heard that okay um but I would just be tracking the levels and seeing how we're going um you know, there's so many things that can impact that iron deficiency. Um, so yeah, I would be tracking and seeing how we're going. And blood is well, milk um, supply mm. is f- um, converted from your our actual blood, mm. which I didn't know about. So if you have hemorrhaged, um, it 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 can impact your breast milk, mm. your supply. Just so people are aware of that. Um, you also need a lot of iron in your breast milk, so iron um, requirements increase when you're breastfeeding. Right. So more oh. liver, Lara. More liver. <laughs> more liver. And listeners, please know that postpartum is not just six weeks and then you're done. It's like two years. Well, postpartum, you're always a postpartum mum. We're always talking yes. about that. But it is at least two years because for your hormone levels to go back into sort of that normal range. Uh. <laughs> Okay, let me talk. Um, answer some of these um, mum questions. Yeah. Um, why aren't mums given ferrosulfate in pregnancy? Now, this is an older mum, um, mm-hmm. and I think she had that offered to her when she had children. Like, okay. 30 um, ferrosulfate is quite a harsh form of iron, right. um, and it's so it has more side effects, um, like that constipation, nausea, things like that. That we're already at risk of in pregnancy. We don't need to increase those risk factors. <laughs> um, and like iron biglycinate um, is just a more gentle form. You need a lower dose to have the same effect. Um, so that's why it's just a preferred form. Um, ferrosulfate is safe in pregnancy, but it's just at a higher risk of risk factors. Okay. So taking bio, biosulfate. Bioglycinate. Bioglycinate. Yeah. Amazing. Um uh ooh, I'm taking ferrous boomerate. Sorry if that's pronounced wrong, Courtney, you can correct me. Right. And <laughs> have lots of questions. How was my iron low, but yet I had no obvious signs of iron deficiency? Now I I appreciate you don't know why her iron's low. You don't yeah. know who she no, is. No, that's okay. Yeah. Um but you can be asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's highly likely. Um, the other thing that can happen is that the symptoms come on slowly over a period of time. So you don't realize that those symptoms are there. Um, and then as with the case that I spoke about earlier, we accept a lot of fatigue um, as a society. 
Um, so you might not realize that you're feeling more fatigued than you should be. You might feel that, you know, you're just the normal amount of fatigued for a single mom or a new mom. Um, when actually it's because your iron levels are low. Yeah. Okay. So if you're not sure, get your bloods done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you should be like, even, um, outside that postpartum period, getting bloods done every year, um, which is a really great way to check too, like just how those levels are tracking. If there's any trends, um, and so you've got a baseline. That's great to know. Will I ever be able to take it, I'm presuming iron, and not feel like I'm going to puke for a couple of hours after? Uh, talk to your healthcare professional. <laughs> it doesn't sound <laughs> right, does it? Um, it might be the timing that you're taking it, um, whether you're taking it with or without food, the form of it, the dose. Um, there's many things that can impact that, but as I said before, like side effects are not something you have to put up with. So if you're having side effects like that from a supplement, definitely talk to, um, whoever has recommended you take that supplement. Um, and if they can't give you advice, then talk to someone who will be able to give you advice on a better supplement to take. Yeah. Nice. Don't just put up. I used to take, um, the liquid one, um, Courtney, when I had Sean, Mm. Um, and you can tell me if I did it wrong, but I used to actually pour it into my orange juice in the yeah. morning um, and drink it that way. So the or- orange juice was kind of more overpowering than the iron supplement, like the liquid. Yeah, that's totally um, fine. Because when I take it on its own, I'd gag. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what can I do? And I just chanced my arm and I put it in one morning and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this actually is grand. And uh, that's the way I used to take it. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fine. Nice. Well done, Mags. Yeah. No more puking. <laughs> um, is this a forever thing if you are deficient? Now, it sounds like we covered that really. Yeah, it's not. Um, You've just got to look at addressing, like if you're taking an iron supplement and your iron levels aren't going up, you need to look at those absorption factors and address that root cause as to why that's happening. Yeah, like is it the gut? Is it inflammation? Yeah. Is it underlying issues? Um. It says here, is there really no dietary way to supplement enough? Because my doctor says no. It really depends on how low your iron levels are. Um, so like if they're just within range, if they're on the bottom end, sometimes we can use a food-based approach to bring them up, um, which is preferable. But if yeah. they're really low, um, sometimes we need to go in with a supplement just to give it that boost. Um, and then we can use food to maintain the dose. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on what the cause is though. And if like, we need to address that cause, um, so that we can bring those levels up consistently. Is it harder to boost your iron levels and keep them at a good, healthy level for life? If you are a vegan or vegetarian? Um, it's something that you need to be more aware of, but it's definitely possible. Okay. And Um, so you don't have to supplement if you are a vegetarian vegan necessarily no you shouldn't need to supplement you should be able to still get enough from your legumes tofu things like that um but it is something that you will need to be aware of and making sure you're getting enough intake Mm -hmm. okay um why are iron supplements bad or not good for me this is very generic and quite hard to answer so (laughs) that's all right um so Iron supplements aren't necessarily bad if you need them. Um, they, as we said before, like they can be harmful if you have too much or if your iron levels are already adequate. Um, so that's something to be aware of. Some forms of iron are better and more absorbable than others. 
Um, so that's why, you know, you might see that a certain dose is like certain brand is seen as a bad form of iron. Um, and there's certainly some that I wouldn't recommend because the iron in it is, you know, it's either really low or it's too high and you're not getting the absorption, things like that. Um, and you can get, as we said, like those digestive side effects. So that can be why you might feel like they're bad for you, but that might be once again, the dose or the form that you're taking. Mm, Okay. When it comes to the supplements, I know you you, um, prefer the practitioner iron Mm. supplements because they're just better quality and they absorb better in your system. Are there, however, ones that you are quite good to get over the counter just for listeners who are struggling? Yeah, I would avoid over the counter supplements generally um, and particularly for iron because they do tend to be the harsher forms that have a lot of side effects and aren't as absorbable. Okay. So it's best to work with a practitioner mm-hmm. whenever and, you need. Yeah, and get their recommendation on what is best for you. Yeah, okay. And I also find that it like it saves money in the long run because you're not mucking around with supplements that don't work. Yes, because you're yeah. kind of just pissing it out, aren't you? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, literally, Lara. <laughs> literally, it's just a very expensive we. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> I like expensive we. <laughs> um, I've been told that by many sources I've read, I'm so confused, I feel so hesitant, conflicting information, taking organ supplements is a good idea instead. Mm. We spoke about that. Yeah, it once again depends on how low your iron is. Um, but if you're interested in taking like liver supplements instead of an iron supplement, I'd really recommend talking to a clinical nutritionist or a naturopath mm. who's going to be able to advise like how many liver capsules you're going to need based on where your bloods are at. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Mm. Go with your bloods. We're all unique. <laughs> yes. um, last question. I had two iron infusions. The first wasn't enough. I got an allergic reaction to my second infusion, hives. Mm. Won't be doing that again. Yeah. Adverse effects can happen. Mm. Um, It's not like everyone has a different immune system. Everyone has a different microbiome. Um, So we can't, you know, completely eliminate adverse effects and side effects. It's the same as I can prescribe a really safe dose of iron and someone can still get constipated. Mm. Um, We can try and mitigate things as much as we can. Um, If you have had a reaction to iron infusions, iron supplements are like oral supplements are always an option. So do what works for you. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Hey, we covered everything. I think Mags, any questions? No, I'm worrying. Yeah, no, I think I've covered everything. Yeah, six years later, I get the answers. I know, yeah, but we we don't know what we don't know. And that's why this podcast (laughs) is so important. Um, Courtney, is there anything that you think listeners need to hear as a a sign-off to you? I don't think so. Like, it really comes down to, as we've said multiple times today, like getting those bloods done. And if you're having symptoms and your doctor says that your bloods are fine, go see a practitioner who can look a little bit deeper um, and look at things a bit more holistically and see what's really going on. Yeah. Amazing. And could you, Courtney, go to the clinics, get your bloods done, they get sent to your doctor and then just get them straight to you rather than you having to go see your doctor to get results? Like, could I just go and say, I just need them and I want to say you or whoever else I book in with, do I have to go through the doctor as well? Because one of my 
um, friends at the moment, her iron levels are low. And, um, you know, it, it costs her 70 to $90 to see the doctor. And that's been reimbursed from Medicare. And she just said, I just didn't have the money at the time. I wish I could just get them. Are, do you, is that a thing you're allowed to do? Or what do you, do you know much information on that? Yeah, most doctors won't give you the blood test results, particularly if there's been any that are low without having a consult just because of their duty of care. Um, mm-hmm. If your blood test results are fine, typically they're happy to send them over to you. But if there's any issues, they want to talk to you about it, which is fair enough on their part. Um, yeah. Depending on the gap that you pay, and obviously Medicare is a bit of a mess at the moment with GP gaps, um, I can order blood tests, but mine aren't covered by Medicare. But at the same time, like if it's going to cost $70 for a blood test, you're sometimes better off just paying for that blood test than paying for a gap, having another appointment and getting the blood test done. Um, so there can be other workarounds um, like that, depending on what tests we're looking at. So you, with your clients, they don't get covered from Medicare, um, even though you're a clinical nutritionist. Yeah, so clinical nutritionists aren't under Medicare. Um, we can be covered by private health, depending on your healthcare cover, um, but it's not under Medicare, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. And then you've these random other stuff that is under Medicare. Mm. yeah it's fun times yeah. <laughs> it's all backwards isn't it <laughs> okay thanks amazing women um i will be sharing the link um to contact courtney if you wish to book in a consult with her and anything that we spoke about that i think we need to add links in um i will share below as always we do have an email address listeners if you have questions comments you just want to tell us that we're amazing um then drop us an email it's realtalkformums at gmail.com thanks for listening and i hope we and our reviews give us the review give us a review please (laughs) we'd love to hear from you (laughs) thanks bye